Hello, and welcome to the Morotsko Method. I am your host, Adrian Jezik. Here we get to talk about growth through discomfort, the things that make us vulnerable, the challenges we experience in life, and our relationship to the cold, the ways that it changes us, the ways that it forms us, and the ways that we work through it. I have a very special guest with me today, Michelle. Michelle, will you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Michelle. Um, I am Adrian's cousin. Family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, she's graciously allowed me to be on her podcast today, and I'm very excited to be here. So rad. I like how you say graciously allowed <laughs> you when I'm like, anybody who wants to be on a podcast <laughs> ever, come see me. <laughs> Let's this. get this out to my 12 <laughs> listeners. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> and like, how much fun is this too? Just like holding a microphone and chatting in it. Yeah. That's my jam. Yeah. Like since I was little, I was like, anything could be a microphone. Yeah. And then, you know, when they came out with the technology of like, here's the microphone and the speakers and you can hear your own voice. It was like, oh, this is <laughs> rad. <laughs> and Michelle, you've gone through quite the practice of cold water immersion with me. The very first time you ever did an ice bath with me, we were in the backyard mm. and we were quality control testing a forge that eventually was shipped to Justin Hoagland. And if you guys have a chance, check out his Instagram. It's at no joke 414. Justin Hoagland is a retired Navy SEAL. He has an insane cold practice. Oh my gosh, kids, do not try this at home. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. His practice is so evolved, but he is so evolved. And we were quality control testing his forge and we built up no joke and that was not a pun intended but let's just go with it no joke a six inch layer of ice at the bottom of this wow. forge and michelle didn't know that when she came nope. over <laughs> her i don't know if i knew that at the time i don't think you did <laughs> it was just more or less like okay there's a little bit of ice on the bottom so it might be slippery hold <laughs> on and your very first ice bath was like Four and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, close to five, yeah. You went balls to the wall. <laughs> like, you, you went for it. Yeah. Not only is that impressive, but then you came back for more. <laughs> you were like, I want to do this again. Yeah. Will you walk me through what it was like first when I asked you, like, hey, do you want to come over and try this? And then coming over and trying it. Yeah, so I was not even sure I could make it through the two minutes. Um I, I was mostly coming over to see if I could even get in the tub, will myself to get in the tub. Um, once I got there, and I might have told you this at the time, but, um, you know, once you started having me do the breathing and you started sinking into the coaching and walking me through what was going to happen and what I would be doing next, it completely calmed me down. And I had no hesitation or reservations about just jumping right in the tub right when you said so. And uh, once I was in the tub... You know, you got me through those first 30 seconds, which were the hardest. And I, I thought that that was going to be the whole two minutes. It was just going to be counting down the seconds and, and gritting and bearing it. And then once that hit of dopamine kicked in, right, about 30 seconds, everything just calmed. And I cleared a little bit more. It was still definitely very difficult. Um, I still felt like I had tunnel vision a little bit. Um, and I had to very, very much focus on my breathing to, to get me through it. But then... Once I had started to calm, it kind of became about, well, how long 
can I stay in then? If if I made it through the two minutes, then how, how much longer can I go? Let's just see. Um, and I was trying to hit the five minutes, didn't quite make it, but I still felt felt really proud of myself for getting through it. And then once I got out, it was kind of like, that was incredible. I've never felt this way in my life, and my entire body felt completely alive. All my cell, I felt almost like I could feel every single one of my cells, like they were all alive and on fire. And I was, it was kind of like, how can I get more of this? When can I do this again? Um, and it was kind of, you know, all gone from there. <laughs> so you were an instant ice addict. Pretty much. And I still had a little hesitation every time getting in the first, you know, two, three times. But it was remembering the feeling afterwards that kept me coming back in and making sure that I got myself in that tub and experienced that again. And you knew you knew that the feelings you were feeling and the way that you felt as a result of that plunge were from the cold. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely knew that. Yeah. Okay. And... What kind of changes have you seen in yourself since starting cold water emergency? Well, you know what? Let's back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You were already on a path of making change in your life. Yeah. You were already on a path of, how would you describe it? How would you describe you kind of taking control and deciding these are the ways I'm going to start to design my life? I made the conscious decision to try to to seek out self-fulfillment. And um, it, mostly I was... In a nutshell, trying to find true happiness for myself internally, um, but it would be through you know self fulfillment and self awareness and and I suppose enlightenment a little bit, um, and so I already started to try and consciously make decisions to model my behavior and my actions more to the benefit of you know just bettering myself and my mind and body. So you were already on a path. You were already on a path of seeking growth, seeking change. Mm-hmm. Y'all, if you can hear that right now, um, my belly is growling. <laughs> I am I am getting back into a different eating regimen and um, pushing through. Let's just say that. Um, so I apologize if you hear my belly growling, but also join the club. <laughs> I, know, I know some of us out there are uh, working on some extended fasting and intermittent fasting. So what were some of the first changes that you made when you started making changes towards this new path? Well, I had started about the beginning of last year and I was in a job that I was not happy in. It was not something that I was comfortable doing, which I was doing uh, collections for, for a company. And I'm not comfortable, you know, calling people asking for money. I'm, I'm not the pushy type of person. Um, and... You know, there's a lot of, I became aware of, um, I forget the term for it, but basically thinking that the next destination is where happiness is going to lie. And I had been f- doing a lot of that uh, job-wise because I didn't realize that a lot of my unhappiness was internal. Um, however, I realized I couldn't couldn't focus so much on my internal happiness if I was also unhappy with just daily life going to work. So I started with a job change that took that off my mind. And then I was able to turn inwards and, and focus on, on myself and my um, daily affirmations, kind of. Because I've always been... Um, I've struggled with, with a little bit of mental illness, I would say, um, and self-image issues. And so that became my big focus was 
if I was getting ready during the day and I was looking in the mirror and I, I found myself having negative thoughts toward myself, I would have to stop and I would look myself in the eye in the mirror and tell myself to stop and then try to give myself some encouragement or a compliment or something. And then doing that would would get me to stop and and think about what I'm how I'm thinking about myself more frequently. And even doing that has helped me immensely, just taking a step back. Because you're changing your narrative, you're changing mm-hmm. your language, you're changing the way that you speak to yourself. Mm-hmm. And language is the most powerful tool we have. Yeah. Because if we can change the way that we speak to other people and quite specifically to ourselves, we can change the way we think. And if we can change the way we think, we change the way we operate, we change our entire lives mm-hmm. through that process. And that's that's the most powerful thing that we can do. And we talk about that through the Marotsko method quite a bit, that we, we are the narrators of our story. We are the writers of our story. And there's an internal story when you're trauma-focused that you can fo- that you can listen to that may not be accurate. It may be more um, degrading. It may mm-hmm. be more uh, shaming. And mm-hmm. it may be more hard on, on us internally. But why would we be hard on the self, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I say this because this is still this is still part of my practice. This is still an active thing that I have to hold space for in order to be mindful of my thoughts, my language towards myself, towards others, towards, you know, just being my biggest cheerleader versus being someone who's going to criticize me. And that sounds like when you say, when I say it like that, it almost sounds crazy. Like it almost (laughs) sounds like, what do you, what do you mean? Why, why would you be mean to you? Right. Why would you be mean to you? (laughs) But, you know, in some ways when we're forced to parent ourselves as children Mm -hmm. and step in for the ways that, you know, our parents were still learning and growing Mm -hmm. themselves, we take on that what we think a parent is supposed to sound like and look like. And if we don't have an example of that, or if the example of that that we have is someone who is doing those same things, speaking to themselves or speaking to people outside of them in mm-hmm. negative ways, that's what we model that behavior after. So that, I think, starting starting with the language and changing the thoughts are some of the most powerful ways that we can make change in our lives. And then I want to touch on, too, you were talking about how first, first you had to change your job and that can be really scary for people Mm -hmm. sometimes right when you think maybe you've been in a position for a really long time or maybe you just know it really really well or maybe even you're questioning your ability to learn something new or the energy it would take to learn something new or do something different Mm -hmm. what advice when you look back on that process and the way that you manage that process what advice would you give to someone who was sitting in front of you today that was like you know what I hate my job I hate my job and I feel like there's no way out. Mm-hmm. Basically, I had to realize that there's going to be consequences to pretty much every action that I ever do, no matter what it is, if it's a, you know, a good consequence or a bad consequence. And, and in this case, you know, I was going to be taking a pretty big pay cut, leaving the job and going to a different one. Um, but for me, it was, I couldn't, 
try to figure out where to start with my own happiness before I took care of the external factor that I knew was making me unhappy. Um, and I'm a very big proponent for, you know, just because you think that you might have an obligation to a company or to a boss or, you know, other co-workers, you have to sometimes think about yourself first. And that's not always a bad thing because at the end of the day, you're the only person that's guaranteed to be there for yourself. There's nobody else in this world, no matter what they say, that's going to guarantee to be there for you. So you have to try to take care of yourself first and make sure that that you're in a good space before you try to take care of others or try, try to... That makes sense. On, yeah. yeah, that really makes sense. And I think that we do tend to create a loyalty to a company or a loyalty to a boss or coworkers when, when in actuality, when it boils down to is that if they have to make decisions based on the company, they're not thinking of their loyalty yeah. to you. Exactly. You know, mm -hmm. so yeah, we have to be our biggest proponents. We have to be our biggest source of support. We have to always start. It is a benefit to us to start with the self mm -hmm. and fulfilling the self. And you took a risk. Yeah. You decided to opt for fear and discomfort in order to protect the self. Mm -hmm. And isn't it kind of weird to think that you would choose fear and discomfort <laughs> to make yourself feel good. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like what the cold is. Yeah, it right? sounds, sounds counterintuitive almost. Yeah, but it isn't. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, can move, we can move through fear. Mm -hmm. We can move through discomfort. There, one of the things I think the cold teaches us is fear and discomfort don't have to mean the detriment of the self. Right. Fear and discomfort can lead to growth and happiness. So a lot of times I think if we've experienced a lot of fear and discomfort in life, we want to run from that. Definitely. And I think that's what we work through in the cold is fighting that fight or flight response to find a way through it. Mm -hmm. You're not running from it. You're sitting with it. Yeah. And now you've come to see me in the new contrast spa a few yes. times. <laughs> How would you describe the difference of your first plunge in that backyard experience to now we're in this this space, this different, walk me through that. The first time, I would say, since we didn't have um, any of the other senses um, trying to be occupied at the same time, um, so we didn't have, you know, the, the singing bowls or the um, essential oils. Um, it still was a, a transformative experience, but it wasn't quite as wholly so. So it wasn't quite as full mind and body. Um, and of course, you know, being the first plunge, it's, it'll still be hard, but it was more focusing on the cold and getting through it rather than being able to release and say, okay, this is where I am. I'm, I'm here. I'm going to feel what I'm feeling and we're going to get through it and power through and and continue on and also have that total body fulfillment Absolutely. of stimulating each of the senses like mm -hmm. one of the things that i learned in di dialectical behavioral therapy was that when you are dysregulated or when you are working through something it's really important to stimulate each of the senses so you want to stimulate your sense of smell sight sound taste 
touch. You want to make sure you incorporate all of that to get a full fill up. I call it the five point star of self care because it's mm -hmm. like an, a well rounded total body fill up. Mm -hmm. And in this new environment, there's also less distraction. Yeah. Right. A little bit I miss seeing the charming tree and sitting in the sun, mm -hmm. but the infrared sauna is really nice. I mean, <laughs> yes, you get is. all those you get all those benefits of the of the sun's what the sun does for you, but without any of the negativity of the UV, which mm -hmm. is really powerful. How would you describe plunging for you now versus when you first got started? Because you've you've become practiced. Mm -hmm. Plunging now is, I guess, I would like to describe it as a meditative sort of experience, because getting in the tub is no longer immediately this is very cold and I should get out now it's there that that response has pretty much left the building um so getting in it now is I don't have to wait for the hit of dopamine for my body to calm down it's my body is already used to that that cold and this is what we do now like you said and um I'm able to sink into the mindset way easier and I don't have the tunnel vision anymore I'm able to be receptive to the difference, the sounds and the sights and the smells. And um, it's a very calming experience now, which mm -hmm. is kind of bizarre. Mm -hmm. I think that's really funny too. Would you just, do you have any, have you experienced any changes physically? What kind of physical changes have you seen since developing a cold water immersion practice? I think I've noticed that definitely the cold doesn't seem to bother me as much. Mm -hmm. um, and when I notice that I start to shiver, I'm able to get control of myself a little bit better, which I hadn't been able to do before. Just kind of, you know, give in to the shivers and, and just wait for them to pass. But I can actually kind of take control, which is very cool. Um, and I've noticed a little bit that it seems like my, my body itself is tightening up just from having come for the, the cold water and then the sauna afterwards as well. And that's a weird type of tightening up, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's not like, even for me, like, it's not like I feel like I'm losing weight. Yeah. But it does feel like I'm moving, losing inflammation. Yeah. Like, I think that's a completely different sensation when everything in the body starts to just feel compressed. Mm -hmm. And it's compressed not in a tight way. It's compressed in, like, I'm starting to feel put together. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think that's pretty magical as well. What would you would you say that you have any type of difference in your temperature your your body's temperature regulation now having started a cold water immersion practice first did you struggle with the cold ever prior to doing cold water immersion definitely um I, I have definitely liked cold more than heat in general, mm. which is, yeah. Yeah, you don't hear that often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am very much more into, into cold, but a lot of it is I like it being cold so then I can wrap up and warm up in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not so much so I can it's sit more and like be cold. snuggy weather. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. That makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, that makes, I mean, that makes sense. You know, we it's it's kind of nice to think of the association of what it means to be in cold weather whereas you know when we when we're here in Arizona mm -hmm. and we go through these difficult summers by the time you get to winter it's like oh what yeah. a relief like <laughs> I have I have the opposite experience I don't feel like I'm just dying peeling myself off of furniture and you know in and out of the car and off of the pavement like trying to get from place to place yeah definitely and I feel like now I'm able to I haven't quite tapped into being able to 
activate that brown fat and warm myself up and be able to feel it fully. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've been able to at least calm, calm my body and nerves to, to bear the cold for now, um, rather than being warm in spite of the cold yet. Yeah. Okay. Cause that's part of the practice too, right? It comes with a level of acceptance. Mm-hmm. It comes with a level of, all right, this is what I'm going through right now. I'm going to breathe through it instead of responding to it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a pause. I'm going to breathe through it and I'm not going to react. Mm-hmm. And now that's your choice. Yeah. Right. Are there other areas in your life where you would say you have sought out fear and discomfort for growth? Um, I have been doing some intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten back into that. I stopped doing it for a little while, but I've, I've noticed the benefits in that just with changing my relationship with food as number one, um, realizing to rely more on it for actual sustenance than comfort. Do you notice a difference now when you're walking through a grocery store and you see the things that maybe you used to call food Mm -hmm. that were not sustenance for the body? Like I was talking with my friend Roger last night and he's like, you know, I used to see a bag of Cheetos and Mm -hmm. that would be like, oh, Cheetos are my jam. And Mm then now... And we were, we were relating on this point that well, now when we see a bag of Cheetos, we're like, ooh, that's not food. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's plastic. That's, mm-hmm. not, that's not something you put in your body for sustenance. Do you mm-hmm. notice those changes now? Definitely, yeah. And so it's like more intentional, right? Yes. And I think one of the beauties of starting a practice of intermittent fasting, and like you said, breaking that relationship, that emotional relationship mm-hmm. to food, Right, because it's very, very easy. And I think this is, you know, I haven't been to a lot of different countries, but I've been to Canada, I've been to Mexico, and I've been to South America. And I would say one of the things I've noticed that's different about America is we drive down the road and we see 20 different restaurant signs designed to give us these tiny little dopamine hits Mm -hmm. to associate the brain and our emotions with food. And that's not what food is. No. It's not, I mean, it can be exciting. It can be fulfilling in other ways. But when we start to be more intentional about when we allow ourselves that food and what type of food we're putting into the body, you stop getting that dopamine response when you're driving down the road and you see McDonald's or Starbucks or even if it's my favorite restaurant now, like I'm not driving down the road seeing that sign going like, ooh, I want there, even though I'm not hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Definitely. Like, and now, I'm, as I'm reacquainting with intermittent fasting, I feel hunger. My stomach is growling. You guys mm-hmm. are probably going to hear it more throughout this podcast. <laughs> but I don't feel weak. Yeah. I don't feel hangry. Mm-hmm. I don't feel emotionally tied to that physical response. Yeah, I've noticed that as well, which is... It's a very cool feeling because I feel like before, yeah, if I would go and get hungry or it would be a while before I ate and I got hungry, um, I would definitely fall prey to the the hangry and um, being upset and um, having the emotional response from it. But And like you said, not feeling weak, you don't have to constantly, you know, shove Cheetos or junk in your face and to not feel weak. Um, And it's, it's very nice to feel more in control of that and... Yeah, and I think that when we start being more intentional about our food and we're focusing on the nourishment that we're putting in our bodies, we don't have that hard drop. We don't have that hard 
drop of the blood sugar or, you know, the body is like all of a sudden it's just completely out of sustenance. It's mm-hmm. more of a tapering. Yeah. I feel like. Definitely. Um, I got in a kick recently, and this is why I'm getting back into intermittent fasting. I got in a kick recently where I was like, well, a little bit of bacon for breakfast, <laughs> you know, because I'm allergic to eggs. So if I can't mm. have eggs, like forget you breakfast (laughs) but like I do love a good piece of avocado toast or like bacon whatever but I noticed I was getting into the habit of just having bacon Mm -hmm. here and there and it would be like it's been about four or five times a week that I was making that a habit Mm -hmm. well bacon is delicious (laughs) but it's not necessarily that type of sustenance yeah so even though I was avoiding the carbs even though I was avoiding sugars in ways there was still there was still a disconnect between choosing something nurturing and fortifying versus just going for what feels good. Mm-hmm. And so I was going for the bacon because it felt good. Yeah. And I noticed yesterday, I had a, I had a super fun, yesterday I had a super fun uh, bout of emotional dysregulation, which apparently is just something that we get to practice on for the rest of our lives. <laughs> um, and so I was like, well, yeah, I was like, where is this coming from? Like, why do I feel so out of control right now? And so to, as I was reflecting on it, as I was journaling about it, I was like, what are the ways in which I've fallen off my self-care wagon? What are some of the routines and habits that I had developed that I've let fall through the wayside recently instead of focusing on that self-care? Mm-hmm. And that was one of them. I was doing the bacon for breakfast. And I don't have to do that. I don't have to do anything mm-hmm. for breakfast. If I make sure lunch is healthy and intentional and dinner is healthy and intentional, I don't wake up needing breakfast. And part of that is because I do this really magic elixir that I found out from my friend Michael Roviello on Instagram. He is at Michael underscore the underscore arc, A-R-C. He's a local Wim Hof instructor here to Phoenix, one of the owners of Optimize Me, um, Optimize Spa wellness center and he calls it this magic elixir and it's basically a little bit of apple cider vinegar a little bit of lemon juice a dash of cayenne or paprika a dash of Himalayan sea salt and about four ish ounces of water Mm -hmm. and you do that first thing in the morning on an empty stomach follow it with a full glass of water and then you can have your coffee and I usually have my coffee just black so Mm -hmm. one cup of coffee black coffee I'm good to go and that'll keep me sustained until well into the afternoon usually when Mm -hmm. I'm not breaking a morning bacon habit. (laughs) Um, So that is another just magic little tip and trick for providing the body with some natural sustenance. When you put in things like Himalayan salt, you're getting electrolytes, you're getting minerals, Mm -hmm. and you don't have to resort to those electrolyte drinks that are all preservatives and dyes and artificial sweeteners yeah Yeah. and oh my gosh and even if it is the even if it is the stevia a i don't like the taste like i can i can it it's like equal yeah it's like yeah like there's Mm -hmm. that bite that after bite it doesn't taste natural it tastes like the artificial sweeteners yeah which is weird like i think i'd feel better if if i was just putting the leaf yeah in in my drink versus mm-hmm. like this is stevia made from a leaf but it's a white powder and i'm going i've been taught that all white powder is bad <laughs> take our word for it it's take fine. our word for it everything's fine until 10 years from now and everyone's looking back going well well we, we didn't know at the time but we've learned it actually causes cancer yeah i mean just like just about anything else in this world oh, yeah. um 
Yeah, so I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it makes sense. Like you start, you start changing your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You start changing what you're putting into your body, the ways you're nourishing yourself, and you start focusing on self-care. So what other self-care methods do you have? What, what else do you have in your toolkit for your self-care? Mm. I have to think about that for a second because some of it I've kind of gotten to the point where it's just innate. I just have gotten to the habit, so I just do it on a daily basis. Um, so you don't even necessarily think about it right. as a self-care practice because it's right. something you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. That's a hard one. I change it up. Mm-hmm. I change it up. I recently discovered journaling, which has been so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't realize the ways that you could change your thought patterns by putting pen to paper. And that's not the same, I think, as typing. It's not the same as speaking. Mm-hmm. I get something different from writing things down. Definitely. So that's been really powerful, and I've been very consistent with that. I don't do it every day, but I'm very consistent with it. I'd say I average about five five to six days a week, sometimes a couple of times in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been really powerful. Yeah, I've um, I've made the decision, too, to to try to disconnect from screens and technology at least if not um less throughout the day at least making sure at about an hour or two before I go to bed I'll shut everything off and then I'll go and read or something so I can kind of get my brain out of that whole internet wormhole that it gets sucked into that I feel like we all get sucked into and I feel like that is is so easy to do and it is definitely a big reason that I had lost focus inside of of my true intentions and, and happiness and trying to find that. Because that's another way that we get those tiny dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. Not the long sustainable from an ice bath type of dopamine where it's true and it's a deep shot and it lasts for hours mm-hmm. but they're those tiny little short circuiting, it feels like they're those yeah. tiny little short circuiting dopamine hits where it's like pew, mm-hmm. pew, pew and you need to co- keep going back for more and it's funny you talked about that because I I always feel like I have my tech under control Mm -hmm. because I barely have time to sit in front of a computer or a phone (laughs) or a tablet unless I'm working but I did notice and and Jason and I were just having a conversation about this last night I did notice that I'll pick up the phone for a notification like a text message or a work alert or something like that Mm -hmm. and then I automatically check Instagram mm-hmm. and then Facebook and then maybe you know I'll go on Reddit for a little bit because <laughs> man those puppy videos dude I cannot get enough oh, yeah um but then we were talking about it and I was like I don't I want to break that pattern I want to break that pattern of like just because I picked it up doesn't mean I also have to open every app on my phone yeah and so we were talking about it and we decided that each night we're going to make it a point to put our phones down in the kitchen so that when we go to bed, we've got no option to connect. Mm-hmm. And that helps me twofold because what I used to do is wake up and the first thing I would do is check all my notifications. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm already starting my to-do list for the day. Do I have to respond to Tom? Do I have things to do for work? What appointments do I have? What's going on next? And I wasn't ready to do any of that yet. 
I wasn't ready to address it, Mm -hmm. but it was already pulling cognitive energy and creating cognitive stress because I now have this to-do list of things that I've not written down. Mm -hmm. I'm just hyper aware of, but I'm not doing anything about it yet, (laughs) but it's going to be about two hours before I can do anything about it Mm -hmm. yet, but I'm wasting that energy on it. Yeah. Already stressing. Yeah. And this morning was the very first morning I woke up. I let the dogs out. I dropped their food. I walked right by my phone when I did that, and I did not pick it up. That's awesome. And I went right back to bed. (laughs) And so while Jason was getting ready and stuff, I was just kind of doing that light snooze. Mm -hmm. And then when it was time for me to get into the bathroom and get ready, I still hadn't touched my phone. I went through the whole process of getting ready, and I didn't see my phone until I was ready to walk out the door. That's awesome. And I felt so different. Like, just my morning getting ready process was more intentional because I wasn't distracted by anything. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Yeah. That's that's really powerful. Definitely. And I want to do more of that. I want to do more of that, putting the phone away and then focusing on the journaling or the reading or other creative things that I can do before bed to Mm -hmm. exercise that other energy. But my, one of my... One of my hangups with that is sometimes being a business owner, Jason and Tom and I will get in these really productive discussions Mm -hmm. and they'll happen around eight or nine o'clock because we've all finished our days and we've finished dinner and, you know, everybody has been put to bed, so to speak. So the three of us can really get into a deep discussion, creative problem solving, you know, also catching up on the day. You know, what did you accomplish today? What do you have in your hopper? Like what are, what's going on there? Mm And so there was a little bit of an internal battle of, well, I can put my phone down, but what if it's work? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's what I want to do. Yeah. And just because it's what I want to do doesn't mean it's good for me. (laughs) How do you find that balance? Yeah. Right? Yeah, that is so hard. So you're also making changes and strides in your life, in your relationships, right? You're forming a little bit stronger boundaries. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? It's changed my mental state in a way that I can't really describe because I never thought about the fact that I don't have boundaries with certain people and it's, it's not there and it wasn't an issue because I wasn't aware of it and taking a second to stop and, and assess, okay, what is this relationship looking like? What is this really doing to me in my mental state and, and why is that? And is it my actions or is it the actions of the other person? And if it's the actions of the other person, how can I let them know how this is affecting me and that I'm not going to put up with it anymore because it's ultimately not good for my own well-being? So let's use an example. We'll call this person person A Mm -hmm. because that's really neutral, right? Yeah. Can you give me an example with person A of what that might look like? Um... So something of an example could be in my day-to-day life, if I had something that I was excited about or just wanted to tell person A about, they might, a lot of the times they would come at me with the negative. Well, what about this? What about this? You know? And that would it would dampen my spirit, especially if it was something that I was excited about. And so then 
it would just get me down in general and then I wouldn't want to express my happiness and share that with other people because then I just would feel like okay well I guess it's not important I guess it doesn't really matter like or you know there's this to consider so you know maybe it's not worth it or you know what have you and then it had I had to stop and be like okay well that's your opinion that's not necessarily fact that's just how you feel about the situation that's just like your opinion man (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly and so I had to had to basically say that you know I understand that's that's how you feel about the situation and that's where you're coming from and I understand why you feel that way but ultimately you know if I'll I'll give a more specific example I was thinking of moving in with a friend who had bought a house that was almost in South Phoenix the area is not necessarily the best but it's definitely not the worst and you know person A expressed reservations because of the area that it's in and because of you know, potentially the people that would be over there. And that held me back from even considering it as an option because, oh, you know, that that's worrisome. Yeah, I guess she's got a point. I think they've got a point. Um, and I had to stop and think, okay, well, you know, I'm I'm just as likely to get, you know, snatched or, or murdered in my own apartment mm-hmm. <laughs> as I am out there. So it's, it's not really necessarily a valid – it is a valid concern, but it shouldn't stop me from – from that if it's going to be a better situation yeah like fear's there to alert us to things right we're, we're allowed to have awareness mm-hmm. of our environments and of situations we put ourselves in but then it's up to us to decide is that going to cripple me is that going to keep mm-hmm. me from doing the thing that I want to do and is that a benefit to me you know because it's not always a benefit to us the ways that fear presents itself in our lives yeah. you know mm-hmm that's part that's sometimes part of the process as you've discovered working through that fear embracing that fear leaning into that fear i don't think that's a practice that ever goes away definitely not i think our brains and our bodies are designed to continue to alert us to things that may not have any bearing and may not make any sense to be afraid of i think they're designed to do that for us to keep us safe but i think it's ultimately up to us whether or not we believe that is the answer right Am I going to be safe? Do I live my life in a way that keeps me from trying things? Because what if? Mm-hmm. Do I never get on my motorcycle again? Because what if? Mm-hmm. Do I never get in my car again? Because what if? Do I not take this chance on myself or my life? Because what if? Yeah, definitely. And I've made that. That has been a um, a big driving factor in some of the decisions that I've started to be able to make in my life is okay, am I not doing this because I have a valid reason or is it just because I'm overthinking the what ifs? How do you know the difference? It's hard to figure that out. Mm -hmm. I have to stop and think about what my actual reasons are for not doing something. Mm -hmm. And if I feel, and sometimes it takes a lot of ruminating and, and, and trying to figure out, you know, the difference between the two. Um, for me, I, I feel pretty blessed that I, I think that I am very self-aware and I, I'm able to figure out and um, discern my own thoughts a lot and have the ability to to figure the difference between the two relatively quickly and easily. Um, but it definitely is a it's a practice of, of learning how to do that. Um, and once you do, 
then then you can be more intentional about it and say, okay, well, I'm not going to let that stop me. Then if this is something that I really want to do, or if this is something that I really think is going to be good for me, then, then why not take a chance on it? Mm-hmm. Because that's what it looks like sometimes is risk, mm-hmm. right? You have to take the risk. If you don't take the risk, there is no reward. We cannot live in a place of constant comfort. Yeah. That's not real life. Right. That's just not what real life is like. It's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. And I think it speaks a lot to your character that says, you know, I'm just, I'm going to give myself this time to ruminate because I think sometimes we feel like we have to make these decisions now. Yeah. If I don't decide right now, then the opportunity might go away. If I don't make this decision in haste, then, you know, I'm waiting too long or I'm, I'm thinking too much. Mm-hmm. But I think that for me, a lot of times I would benefit from that rumination. And giving myself space before I decide and before I, you know, leap into action. It's okay to stop and consider and think. And if that opportunity goes away in the meantime, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Wasn't meant to be. Right. Um, Here at Marotsko Forge, we have a joke that you don't want to end up in analysis paralysis. Right. You don't want to put yourself (laughs) in a position where you're analyzing the situation so much that you don't take any action at all. Right. Right. Because that could be a detriment to us as well mm-hmm. um but inaction is also a form of action yep. patience has a payoff allowing our space allowing ourselves to create that space of figuring things out and really sitting with a decision and deciding how that makes us feel and what we want to do to move forward that's powerful stuff yeah that's part of exploring our boundaries boundaries that i'm learning sometimes we don't find until we cross them oh yeah especially if we're in new territory you know, and, and we're learning boundaries. And I think mm-hmm. that's another practice that we carry with us throughout our entire lives. It's a practice of where we're at, what our boundaries are, person to person, job to job, action to action, where are these boundaries? And they can shift. Mm-hmm. And they can shift without notice. And they can shift because we change. They can shift because a relationship changes. And I think sometimes that makes it really hard. And we start putting up boundaries and that means we start to sometimes push away the people we really love and care care about Mm -hmm. and I've experienced that and that comes with great loss that comes with great sadness and it's still important to focus on the self is this good for me yeah absolutely is this going to serve me you know not are you serving me but Mm -hmm. is this process going to serve me Mm -hmm. that can be very difficult absolutely yeah I've had examples of that before too you know having to let go of relationships because ultimately it wasn't not that it you know wasn't serving serving me but I felt more negative energy and vibes with interactions with the person than positive and you know got to the point that I was done having to to put up with that and just not wanting to let go because of memories or time invested yeah exactly time invested and sometimes it feels like failure to Mm -hmm. to give up on that but I don't I've definitely shifted my focus on that or my viewpoint on that and I don't think the giving up is is failure necessarily letting it can be letting go versus giving up absolutely I think there's a lot of power in that and being able to to understand when it's time to do that does that ever feel lonely definitely how do you deal with that for me I am a kind of a loner as it is, um, so I don't struggle with it as much, um, but sometimes when it does start to, to sink in that I'm getting a little bit lonely, um, 
a lot of times I'll, I'll start by trying to take my mind off of it. So I'll, I'll think of something that I want to go and do that makes me happy. You know, like I like to go thrifting a lot. Mm. So I'll go to Goodwill because I have one down the street. So I'll go there and start distracting myself. Um, and then it's like, then it turns into, okay, I like spending time with myself. This mm-hmm. is fun. And I don't need somebody else to be here with me to be having fun and to be fulfilled and feel comfortable. So then it's, okay, you know, it's... It, it's really not affecting me and it's not to say that I don't think that I don't need people but sometimes I don't you know sometimes myself is enough and that's taken me a really long time to realize that's really powerful and that's really beautiful and I think that one of the beauties of that is like if we if we don't have another person to turn to Mm -hmm. we can turn to the self Mm -hmm. and ultimately when we practice that when we learn that we always are there for ourselves we always can give ourselves what we need and then you like take yourself on a little date (laughs) yeah and you're like dude i love me this is fantastic Mm -hmm. like you know i i think i go through that sometimes too where i love being alone yeah but i'm not alone a lot Mm -hmm. and so i think i start to crave that and then sometimes when i'm going through a process instead of looking within i sometimes look without like i sometimes look towards external like what can I change or what can I reach out to or what can I do external mm-hmm. when truly the answer is within the peace is within yeah and I can always find a way to make myself feel better whether that's a hot bath or you know a surprise mm-hmm. little thrifting ship chip <laughs> a surprise little thrifting trip yeah oh I said that right now which by the way I'll share with you last weekend I found the most kick-ass fur coat at buffalo exchange oh i love buffalo that's where i got these boots oh my god that's where i got my red boots and so it was magic because i was like i just had you know a little bit of time to kill and i could have focused on work i could have focused on you know drumming up business i could have mm-hmm. focused on a lot of different tasks that were on my to-do list right. and instead i was like you know what i'm just gonna wander i'm just gonna wander and hunt for treasure and i have put it out to the universe that i've been looking for a fur coat and I had this exact amount on my card from Buffalo from clothes that I turned in. <laughs> and I was like, this is magic. Mm-hmm. This is what the magic. Now I'm like, all right, it's Phoenix. I've worn it once, but I was so hot. I had to take it <laughs> off. But it was next to me, so it looked really cute next yeah. to me. And now, and it's it's not even necessarily like a shopping therapy because I didn't even spend any real money. But it was just that like treasure hunt yeah. on my yeah. own. And I like to shop by myself. I do not like to shop with other people. Like it's it's too distracting yeah definitely yeah and I'm just like you know when I'm shopping I'm just like I'm in a zone Mm -hmm. I'm not bothered my phone's not on me Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about like communicating to anyone it's just a tiny little practice and I don't have to buy something to feel good right it's just the act of being in that quiet solo place Mm -hmm. where time with me is important Mm -hmm. and valuable yep I like that yeah definitely and I I found too that when I I started doing that sometimes I would feel guilty like you were saying how you know you're not doing the work or you're not you know doing this list of things that you had in your head and while I would be out I would be thinking about that and feeling like okay well maybe I shouldn't be out here you know potentially spending money and maybe I should you know go home and vacuum or whatever you know what whatever it may be um and I've had to to stop and be like okay yeah I could be doing that but I do need to take some time and just you know chill <laughs> take some time for myself to to do something that I really like because if I stop doing the things that I like altogether just to focus on what needs to be done then 
I'm going to be right back in the hole that I was in before. And yeah. Not focusing on myself and not doing anything for myself. Yep. That makes that <laughs> that makes total sense. And I think I needed to hear that pretty loud and clear mm-hmm. right now. Because, again, I'm doing all the things I want to do, but it's still a lot. Mm-hmm. And I still benefit from taking that time for the self, making that time for the self, not trying to squeeze it all in on my one day off that I've made for myself every yeah. week, but <laughs> stealing moments. Yeah. Stealing moments so that I'm putting a little back in each day. Yep. And I realized yesterday that I've not been stealing moments for myself. And stealing moments for the self is really fulfilling. Yeah. Whether I'm is. sitting in a park and journaling whether I take myself to lunch, which is, oh, that's that's so my jam. <laughs> I have never in my life understood why people don't like to eat alone. I'm I like, know. nobody's stealing my fries. <laughs> Hello, <Yeah>. Jason. <laughs> um, no, I give them willingly. But, you know, it's I'm, I'm not upholding a conversation. Yeah. There's no energy into that. Definitely. Sometimes I bring a book. Sometimes I bring a journal. Sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. But I always put the phone away. When I am treating myself to alone time, my phone is away. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing. This is something I explained to our youngest the other day. There is nothing that can't wait an hour. Oh, yeah. Not one thing. Not one thing. Mm -hmm. What emergency is going to come up? Like, that's not real life. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Let's cross those bridges when we get there. Let's not try and hold on in anticipation of. Yeah, right. And that's almost another example of sitting there with the what ifs because you're sitting there with your phone in your hand thinking, well, what if this one time, this fluke thing that is an emergency is going to happen and you have to stop and be like, yeah, in reality, the, no, you're going to be fine for an hour. And I was busy like, slurping my thought <laughs> and for whatever reason, right, right. you know, <laughs> I totally feel that. Mm-hmm. I totally feel that. I think that's a, I think that's a great example. Stolen moments with the self. Oh, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. adding that to my self-care list for sure. Yeah. Stolen moments with the self. Definitely. So what's next for Michelle? For me, I'm back looking for, I'm still, you know, still focusing on self-fulfillment and, and inside the body, but still looking for external factors to continue to bring that peace and, and happiness and and full fulfillment that I'm looking for um, and it's still a journey and and it's taken me a long time to realize that you know we were talking about before that decisions don't have to be made right now or it you know it's end all be all and you can take time to to sit with the the potential decision and and really figure out if it if that's what's gonna benefit you and and be the path that you want to start going down. And so I've been trying to find the start of my next path to see, you know, where, where it's going to take me. And, and I like, you know, that you continue to use the word intentional and intentionally doing things because I hadn't realized that's what I was doing until I started doing the ice baths is that I was trying to live intentionally. And I really like that and trying to keep that in mind of what are my intentions with this? I like that. I think that's really beautiful. What is something you've always wanted to try, but you haven't done it yet? A class or a project or a thing? I want to relearn how to play piano. I used to know when I was younger, and I haven't, and I don't know how to read music anymore. So I've been trying to seek out lessons to to teach myself to do that again. 
Mm. Yeah. I bet it's kind of like riding a bike. I bet once I you start so. getting into it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember what a whole note is and how yeah. many beats that is. It's yeah. like four, right? A whole note's four beats. Honestly, I don't even know. I don't even know. Been. I have a bunch of band director friends, and they'd probably be able to like, Adrian. <laughs> I know. I was in you know in band when I was younger, and, mm-hmm. and I stopped doing it. And I wish I hadn't stopped doing it because it, it really made me happy. And so I'm trying to find that 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 bit of creativity that makes me happy again um because i really love playing instruments and i don't know why i stopped you know i i don't i didn't feel like i was good at playing instruments so i Mm -hmm. picked up some that you don't really need skill for right like a didgeridoo (laughs) you don't need skill for a didgeridoo Mm -hmm. love my singing bowls love my tambourine oh my gosh Every time I pick up my tambourine, I basically feel like Stevie Nicks. Like, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I am. Ste- like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but when I pick up a tambourine, I become her. Oh, like, for love sure. Love to meet her. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know next time I pick up a tambourine. <laughs> um, and I did buy a ukulele. Nice. And I started playing with it a little bit, and then I let it collect some dust. And yeah. now one of my clients makes songs on ukulele like he plays mm-hmm. and he makes his own songs awesome. and he said something really powerful to me the other day he goes you know you don't have to follow anything he says just pluck your strings strum your chords and develop your rhythm and just remember what they are so mm-hmm. that later you can turn it into a song and i was like oh, that's magic <laughs> yeah it is that's exactly what people do I watched that Taylor Swift documentary. That's yeah, what too. she does. She right? strums a little bit. She picks up a tune and a mm-hmm. rhythm. And then she puts some words to it. Mm-hmm. It it does seem like magic. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I love that so much. And I really thank you for coming on today and sharing this great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Yeah, you're <laughs> welcome. You're welcome. And I look forward to sharing this upcoming cold water immersion journey with you and continuing on this practice and michelle is there anywhere you want people to reach out or find you do you want them to be able to find you on social media or in real life i mean they don't have to but they they they're absolutely welcome to um you know i have um i'm not i think i'm mostly on facebook and instagram i don't i don't really use twitter or a lot of social media other than that um but uh yeah, they could reach out to me on Facebook, just Michelle Cohane. I'm, you know, I'm friends with you, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, so you can find Michelle through me. Yeah, you can send me a message if you're interested. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk to Michelle about her cold practice and see what that journey has been like for her. And you guys know you can find me at at Marotsko Forge on Instagram. You can also find me at at Adrian underscore Jezik on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook at Adrian Jezik, and you can reach out to me on the World Wide Web at www.marotskoforge.com. You can sign up for our monthly journal articles on marotskoforge.com. We've got a lot of good information coming out on the science of cold water immersion and the ways that it benefits us physically, mentally. And um, just remember, when you can learn to breathe through the cold and master your breath through the cold, you can learn to breathe and master your mind in your life. Stay cold, cold friends. Thanks for joining us.